So I just want to jump in. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1? We're going to take a look at Joshua 1, verses 1 through 3. And I'm not going to preach long today, but I'm going to give you what was on my heart for you. And you heard Anthony's story. You know, for those of you who think that this church is all, all just about production because you came out for the first time today, can I tell you that this church started in a living room? You know, how, you know what kind of production that we upgraded to in the living room? A sound bar on the television. We were living large. But, you know, during the songs, the worship portion of the service is the only portion that's not for you. It's for God. And is it okay if we give God our best? Is it okay if we give God something better than Mariah Carey could? I mean, we got Raina. Hello. <laughs> And I think this, this story of V1 Church just represents people going all in and saying, what would happen if I gave everything? I mean, what would happen if you gave everything to your marriage? What would happen if you gave everything to the job that you hate? Would you get promoted? I don't know your boss. Maybe you wouldn't. But I think we're starting to see what happens when you give everything. Can you say everything? And we're talking about these chambers of the heart and what it looks like to have an unoffendable heart. And today is the fourth and final installation in this series and it is the chamber of memories. The chamber of memories. So let's read Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through th 3. See, I started going King James. <laughs> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua's son, and this was Moses' aid, Moses' aid, this is the low guy on the chain. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land flowing with milk and honey at the space at Westbury. It's in there. The land that I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and, and from the great river Euphrates. And he begins to say this, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Say courageous. Look to your neighbor and go, rar. You see? <laughs> because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. Can somebody say amen? amen. Welcome to the chamber of memory. See, this guy named Joshua, he was one of those kids, maybe his mom called him Josh. And he used to probably grow up in the type of environment, maybe the self-esteem movement of the 80s and 90s. And Josh's mom said, Josh, you are destined for greatness. One of these days, you see Moses up there, you're going to be like Moses. And you're going you're to bring us into the next level as a people. Josh, you're going to be something. All of a sudden, Joshua becomes an aide to Moses. And things begin to unfold. And he's told seven times 
For those of you who are my biblical scholars in the house, even going back to Deuteronomy, he's actually told by Moses himself, be strong and very courageous. Why has God continue to put a message on repeat? See, I don't know if you've ever heard any of the words I'm about to preach today or if you could come up here and preach it better than me. But I do know that if you've got a big destiny on your life, God will put some messages on repeat. And so no matter what I want you to hear today, be strong and courageous. Why? You don't need courage for the promise. You need courage for the path. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. You don't need courage for the promise. You need courage for the path. See, once you get there and you tag off on the destiny that you think God's got for you, you'll realize that you didn't really need courage for that stage. You needed courage to get you there. You know, the other day, I'm in Amityville. And for me, the, the claim to fame is always going to be the Amityville Horror House, okay? And we have an office space there called the V1 Headquarters. And I just put up, I had a guy from our church help me put up shelves and, and I had put my books, you know, strategically on the shelves and books are a big deal to me. And I, you know, it was just one of those things where I was taking a step back and looking at it. I'm like, man, this is so cool. We've come so far. By the way, this church is only a couple weeks over a year old. Can you believe it? And things have just been rapidly accelerating. And so, you know, I'm, I'm strategically placing the books and all of a sudden, I checked back into the office like a couple hours later, and one single book had fallen to the ground. And, and I, th I said, oh, man, that's my handy dictionary of the Bible. That's actually what it's entitled. And I went to go pick it up, and as I was picking it up, it was, it was open to the first flap. And in the first flap, I, I, I looked at it. And i got to be honest with you, being a guy from Indiana standing in Amityville, New York, in the V1 headquarters in my own office, whatever that means, I had a moment with God because the 16-year-old Mike Signorelli, who had birthed this vision to one day launch a life-giving church, had written a bold declaration in this front flap. 16-year-old whose mom was a divorced single mom, shout out to my single moms making it happen. I said, shout out to my single moms making it happen. Getting us children ready for church every Sunday. And you know we never miss. And she would beat us all the way there. And I still don't know how I love Jesus on the other side of all those beatings. But she was taking her family to church because she said, I know who their true father really is. And if I can introduce them to their heavenly father, even though everything's all jacked up, they might make it all right. And I, I think we made it all right. And at 16 years old, in Hammond, Indiana, before I got a degree from a Big Ten university, before I ever got licensed and ordained in ministry, before I ever preached overseas, before I really had ever preached at all, I made a bold, audacious statement in the front cover of this book. I wrote, Senior Pastor Mike Signorelli. And this ain't about me, believe me. You, if you know me, you know this sermon is not about me today. But as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Something happened in my heart 20 years ago 
God deposited a vision for what was to come. And I, and I responded to that call. And I said, Senior Pastor, Mike Signorelli, sometimes we've got to speak the things that aren't as though they were until they manifest in our lives. Sometimes we got to call ourselves. Don't. I'm going to preach today whether you shout me down or not, okay? Because we don't come too far. I got somebody who flew all the way across country, so you better believe we're going to preach today. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you've got to call yourself that thing even when there's no evidence. Joshua, the aide to Moses. Joshua, the aide to Moses. Chase, the lights guy. Evan, the keyboardist. But don't judge a book if you haven't read every chapter. Because where this thing started is not where it's going to end. And he may have put his time in as Joshua the aide. But he was getting into this position to become Joshua, the one who would lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And you don't need courage for the promise. You need courage for the path. Anyone remember the 90s? Shell-toed Adidas. They're coming back. Thank you, Lord. We had these things called pogs. We used to trade pogs. You don't know about that. We had the greatest video game ever invented by humanity. It was called Mortal Kombat, and you could rip people's heads off. My mom didn't know I played it. We were saved but not sanctified. We had this thing called Skip It. The girls wore scrunchies. All the girls I had a crush on wore scrunchies and jelly shoes. What were the jelly sandals? Did y'all have that out here? We listened to the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really want. I want to. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, what is huh? What is that? I don't know. I don't want to know what it is to huh. I don't know what it is. To, you might have a, a kid after you huh. <laughs> Some of you are like, I should not be having this much fun. You're, that, that guilt's kicking in. Why am I having it? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and even laughter is supernatural. You can actually laugh your way through a victory if you believe God's fighting on your behalf. God's dealing with some hearts today. And this is the chamber of memories taking you back to Tupac on the block. These kids don't even know. Listen to Post Malone. He's aight, but he ain't no Tupac. Even my man Snoop's got to come back with a gospel album because the kids forgot. I heard, my, I heard my, my dad in the audience say, come on. I'm like, does he listen to Snoop? <laughs> this is the chamber of memory. And I want to tell you that when you looked at this stage today and see, and, and you watched all these people pour their hearts out, there was a process that began many, many, many years ago to the point where it even made sense for them to take this stage. And it's often the things that happen behind the scenes that de determine the effectiveness of what happens on the front lines. And God's got you right now, maybe in your seat, but you're destined to be up here with the microphone. And I will gladly transition it to you, but you're going to need courage. Someone say courage. An unoffendable heart. 
Yes. Because, see, God's going to take you through a place where you're going to be calling yourself senior pastor, Mike Signorelli, and they're going to be calling you an alcoholic. You're going to call yourself a leader, and they're going to call you a follower. You know, I hear this phrase all the time, and this phrase absolutely kills me to hear it. But people say, you know, I'm just in transition. Have you heard that? Some of you said it on the way here. I'm going to go check out this church. I'm in transition. Right? I'm just in transition. No, you's already gone. Let's be real. But we hear this phrase, transition. And I have spent many years of my life just sort of feeling like I'm in transition and identifying each season of my life as transition. And transition had become a Band-Aid that I put on my marriage. Well, how are you guys doing? We're going through transition. No, your husband just needs to learn how to be a real man. Bring him to V1 Church. We'll give him a motorcycle and help him out on his journey of Father's Day. But the word transition means now is not enough. That's actually what you're saying when you say, I'm in transition, is you're saying now is actually not enough. And, and that feeling of complacency is not necessarily a bad thing. And there is such thing as a holy complacency. Matter of fact, some of you, and I'm preaching to the atheist right now, because you know this, this entire church is led by a former atheist, right? Preaching to the people who struggle to even believe in God right now. You might be in transition, and the only thing you're about to lose isn't your faith. You're about to lose all the false religion. And sometimes when you go through the process of losing the false, there's a shaking that happens in your life. And as that shaking is happening, it just feels like you're so raw. It just feels like everything's turbulent. Nothing makes sense. And down is up and up is down. And, and maybe someone here is in transition. Is anyone here in transition? Joshua chapter 1. You see a man in transition. I've got to go from being the aide to being the main man, and I don't know really how to do this thing. And God repeatedly said seven times, have courage. Now, this is the dictionary definition of courage. Courage is not just the ability to do what scares you, but it's actually courage is strength in the face of pain and grief. You know, this guy's leader, Joshua, his leader was Moses, and Moses had actually died. And really, everyone expected, anticipated that Moses was going to get the job done. I mean, maybe you counted on your husband to get the job done, and Moses died. Moses left. Moses ain't there anymore. I mean, maybe you counted on college getting the job done, but you got a degree, and you still don't have a paycheck, and the bills are coming in. I mean, maybe you counted on something that you can't count on anymore. Is there anyone who can say amen to that. You're in transition. Now is not enough. And you can take that holy complacency, you can turn it into a V1 church. You can take that holy complacency and you can turn it into a conqueror into the next stage. Courage is the strength in the face of pain and grief. Courage is strength to face the memories in the, cha in, in the chamber of memories. To face it. It's strength in the face of the events that cause the actual pain. It's confronting that chamber of memories in our heart. Maybe you came here today. Maybe this is your last try. Maybe this is your last chance. 
I want you to know that inside the chamber of memories, God wants to go into that place and do a surgical move that only he can do. Courage to forgive that leader from the other church that did you wrong. And you feel like you couldn't fulfill the greatest promise of your life. But you don't need courage for the promise. I said you need courage for the path. Courage to pick up the pieces after they've abandoned you and left you. Courage to confront what needs to be confronted. Courage is actually the anti-venom for the poison of a tragic memory. And you get bit. Oh, how did this happen? The wind knocked out of you. Those moments in life where it just feels like, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. In Matthew chapter 14, you have another episode where Jesus himself now tells another man and a group of men, have courage. He's actually coming out to walk upon the water. And as he's walking on the water, they're scared. They just think he's a ghost. He's operating in the supernatural dimension. And how many of you know that if the supernatural is actually taking place in your life, it's always going to be scary? Maybe you're here and you've never been to a church like this. Maybe you've never been in an atmosphere like this. Well, if I can tell you anything about the Bible, every time the supernatural happened around people, their first response wasn't, oh, the overwhelming, and they started worshiping. Their first response was probably, O-S-H. They probably cussed out loud and ran away from it. And if you're here, and this is maybe the first time that you've been in the atmosphere of the supernatural, you may have responded like they did. When Jesus came striding around, walking on water like this, and they were absolutely terrified. And in the midst of their fear, Jesus said the same thing that Moses told Joshua, the same thing that Joshua heard directly from God. He said this, verse 27, and he immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Because on the other side, of courage is your destiny, it's your ministry, it's your marriage, it's your life being completely made whole. But when the supernatural is operating and around you, oftentimes it will freak you out. It doesn't feel nat supernatural when it manifests in the natural. You know, my wife, Julie, she's been pregnant four times, and we have two living children. And, you know, after the first miscarriage happened, there's all kinds of questions you go through. But I almost feel like we were resilient. We trusted God. We believed that maybe something had gone wrong in God's infinite wisdom. It just ended up the way it did. We bounced right back. And yet, a couple years later, and, you know, I'll never forget, we were, we were in the Olive Garden where all true hillbillies go to eat Italian food. And the waiter brought out, instead of bringing out our drinks, brought out a, a baby bottle that was full of confetti. And I'm looking at it like, what is going on? And then Julie gives me that look. We're going to have another one. And, 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 you know, you're instantly filled with joy. And then all of a sudden that joy in a matter of months is just transformed into sheer terror when you discover that you've now lost the second baby. Let me ask you, what was your second loss that made you stop believing in God? What was your second loss that convinced you that this thing couldn't possibly be real? Because when that second loss came to me, it did something to the core of my identity. And I thought I was gonna be 
singing that REM song, Losing My Religion. But what I realized in the midst of that was I was only losing my false religion because there was a shaking that was taking place. And God was saying, in order for you to become the man that I need you to become, you need to have an unoffendable heart. And yes, you have passed many lessons in your life. Yes, you have passed the lesson of being unoffendable according to leadership in your life. And yes, you have passed the test of being unoffendable to your brothers and your sisters and your family. But within the chamber of memories of your heart, there's one more test that you have to pass. Can you be unoffendable towards me? me. And when God tested me, said, will you be offended? Will you say, blessed is the Lord when he gives and blessed is the Lord when he takes away? Though he slay me, yet will I praise him? What's the weight of your worship, Mike? What's the weight of your worship? Are you worshiping because it makes you feel good? Are you worshiping because you want to lavish me with everything you've got? And I wrestled with God like Jacob through the midnight hour saying, God, I feel like I got the the name change, but in my heart of hearts, I need a nature change. Some of you have been going through this journey with V1 Church and you've got your name changed. You raised your hand after every service to accept Christ, but it's time for a nature change. A nature change happens from the inside out. And all of a sudden, I was the worship leader. We didn't have Dan Santana. We had this bearded hipster, Mike Signorelli, who had just lost his second child to miscarriage, who was just fighting. Why couldn't God do it for me? I served you with my life, God. I gave you everything I had, God. I showed up early and left late. I did everything, God, you asked me to do. And while I was crying, he said, am I still God, though? Am I still God, though? And there was a shaking that was happening. See, Joshua was going to go into the promised land, but there was something that needed to be resounding in his ears. You will need courage for this journey because it's not going to be easy. Yes, you're going to get to Canaan, the land that flows with milk and honey, but there are a lot of kings that you're going to have to kill to get there. And you don't need courage for the promise. You need courage for the path. It's not going to be easy. Nobody's going to give me one church, New York. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And Joshua, he understood this. You go back to the book of Matthew and all those disciples in the boat were still scared because the supernatural was happening around them. But there was an idiot. His name was Peter. And I love Peter so much because Peter didn't always have to have it figured out to give God his yes completely. I can't say I was always that way. But when we lost that second child, there was a shaking that was taking place. And finally, I made a decision in my heart. I said, you know, Julie, I'm just gonna go to church. We had lost that baby on a Saturday and the next day was Sunday. And all of a sudden I, Woke up in the morning and I said, I'm not even going to tell anyone what happened. Have you ever been so so shattered by tragedy that you don't even want to waste your words to tell somebody? Have you ever been so ashamed of the thing that's happened in your life that you don't even want to tell somebody? You're like, I know I need the help. 
but I'd rather isolate myself because I'm so ashamed that I went back to alcohol. I'm so ashamed that I went back to heroin. I'm so ashamed that, I, that I'm now getting divorced for the fourth time. I'm so ashamed. Is there anyone here who, who can identify with that? And I said, I'm just, God, I'm ashamed that I was offended at you. I was ashamed that I couldn't see you for who you really were in the midst of your sovereignty. And I don't believe for a second that you killed that baby because you said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. But the enemy comes to kill, to steal and destroy. And God, I have to believe that even though the hammer hasn't dropped, he's gonna see his day and you're still the God of justice. And in my finite understanding of your perfect will, I might be standing inside of 30 something years. Oh, but on the other side of eternity, there's gonna be this reuniting where I'm gonna meet them on the other side and say, your dad gave it everything I had, knowing that when I couldn't raise you, the heavenly father did. And if there's somebody here who's suffering from loss, if there's somebody here who can't just quite obtain the promise, if there's somebody here who just can't process the tragedy, courage, 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 courage to your heart, courage to your heart, courage to your heart today. And I begin to worship. I came into that 200 person church in Portage, Indiana. And as I begin to worship, all of a sudden something happened. It was a space sort of like this. People started to stand to their feet during the songs and they started to move into the aisles and they started to flood the place and then this front section filled up and people just began to worship just just this this just absurdly free worship and they started to dance before the Lord and when it was all over my lead pastor said Mike what happened what's different this week what I mean wh why did it feel like heaven just dipped its finger into this church for a moment and I said I will not give God that which cost me nothing I gave him everything today I gave him my offense I gave him my rejection I gave him my hurt I gave him my pain and said if you could do anything with these ashes if you could do anything with these pieces put them back together and I'll give you all the glory from my life Peter is watching all of the disciples around him in sheer terror that Jesus is coming walking on the water. And what they see as an impossibility, he sees as an opportunity for an encounter. And he said, I'm so desperate to get to God. I'll step out on this water that I know can't possibly hold my physical mortal body. But if it means that I get closer to that man, I'll do anything to be closer to him. Jesus is walking on the water now. He's walking towards you in your spirit now. Jesus is headed your way now. Maybe the person sitting next to you doesn't realize it. Maybe they're still in sheer terror of what could happen next because they've never been in an environment like this before. But if you're Peter and you've got something moving inside of your belly right now, I want you to begin to just interact with the Spirit of God as He is drawing you now out of the boat, out of normalcy, out of comfort, out of mediocrity, out of offense, out of hurt. He's drawing you out. Peter said this, tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me 
What would happen in this moment if your heart started to say, God, tell me and I'll come? What would happen? Tell me and I'll come. Jesus in verse 29 responded with one word, come, come, come. He didn't say, you know, Peter, they've got this class that you have to take at the local church. And once you take that class and get it all figured out, once you get the laser tattoo removal, once you go buy a suit, once you go get the right haircut, you know what he said? Just as you are, adulterous, perverse, lying, rebellious, broken, come, come, come. And the voice of the Lord cries out in New York still, come, come. He cries out via the live stream, come, come. Whoever will step out of the boat and come now, now, now. He's speaking to your heart, come on. The chamber of memories. See, the way that God heals is he makes a moment that heals a memory. Maybe you've got a memory of your spouse who's sitting next to you right now, of you saying the wrong thing. God will always cause you to make a moment that heals a memory. Why don't you take their hand right now and make a moment? Maybe you're visiting with a family member and you guys both lost the same friend. Maybe you're sitting at home watching right now and somebody's in your house, go get them. Make a moment that heals a memory. This is a moment of reconciliation between you and God in the chamber of your heart. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to go through a program, but I am gonna ask you in a few moments to respond to the voice of the Lord if you hear him saying, come. Joshua heard that call. Come on out, Joshua. You're gonna need courage. You're gonna have to be bold, but come on out, Joshua. And he responded to the call. No, he wasn't good enough. He, he wasn't scrappy enough, but he said yes completely. And for those of you who can't figure out what our church name means, it simply means the point of no return. When you're in aviation and that airplane begins to go off the runway, there comes a moment where they actually, both pilots have to put their hands on the controls together because they say, once we push down this throttle, we will not have any more runway to turn back. And all us and the whole plane will die unless we commit. Right now, I'm going to ask you to go V1, to put your hand on the throttle and say, I don't need any more runway. I've heard what I need to hear. It's time for me to go all the way for Jesus. Give somebody your courage in this moment. The prayer team's going to come up along the front here at this altar. There's some space up here. And what we're gonna do on the count of three is I'm gonna give you an opportunity in a few moments to come and receive prayer. And I believe that they've got a word specifically for you, specifically for your life. 
And I believe that prayer changes everything. And so on behalf of the 16-year-old who made a bold, audacious declaration in Hammond, Indiana, if God can do it for me, God's going to get ready to do it to you. And if you will just come up and write some bold declarations with your life here at this front altar, I know you will leave change forever. Why don't you bow your heads with me? If you're here and God's been working on your heart and you said, man, I did not expect this in a million years, but here I am, and you want to make that decision, would you just raise your hand with nobody looking around and say, that was me. That was me. God was working on my heart. You can put your hands down. There's hands all over this place. So on the count of three, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to come to the front, fill these altars, and just begin to engage with God. And I believe some of you are like, well, what's going to change? I've been to psychotherapy and nothing changed. I'm on medication and nothing changed. I dare you to step out of your seat. I dare you to try God. I dare you. The only reason why this church grew was because tangible life change happened every single week. It's the only marketing that's ever really worked. It's people saying, I used to be like that, but look what God can do, only God. So you ready? I said, are you ready? One, God's beginning to move on your heart even now. You're beginning to feel him moving on your heart. You know that you know that you know that this is your moment. This is your destiny. You cannot leave here changed. you the same. You've got to get your change. Two, come on. Faith is beginning to rise up inside of your belly. There is a courage that's coming over your heart. Would you begin to three, move out of your seats now and just begin to come down. And let's just give a hand for everyone who's making a decision to come down right now. Come on, let's lift it up. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.